Father, we bless you for your love. We bless you for your mercy. We bless you, Lord, for your power. We bless you, Lord, for the fact that you know the times and seasons and you help us in various ways, my heavenly Savior. I want to bless you for the fact that your God who loves us. You spoke to Abraham in Genesis chapter 15, and you told him that do not fear Abraham, for I am your shield and I am your great reward. It is my prayer that for everyone that feels threatened and worried about things, that God shall arise as your mighty shield and that God shall arise as your great reward, especially for those that have had to incur losses for the name of the Lord. You've refused to take on that job because there were connotations of sin and the devil and the devil was operating in there. We bless you, Savior. We want to thank you and now we want to pray that for those of us that may be going through very hard times, you'll help us, Lord, to follow up on your spirit and, Lord, to be picked up by you and to be led by you, not to have shortcuts and not to operate in a way that appears as though we are helping you, for you never need any help, neither is it necessary that we should do that, but rather to depend on you. We bless you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, I have prayed. Amen. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Friends, it's been quite some time, and, uh, you know, basically the reason has been, um, yes, and still is in many ways, uh, those issues that happened with the Internet and access has been an issue. But, friends, you know, we've gotten to preach the Word of God in season and out of season. Somehow, I'm able to communicate right now, and uh, we shall pick up um, on something very, very important right now. I'm reminded of my um, childhood and um, those times when you had to like uh, do some work with your uncle or your dad, especially where you had to go to the tap and fetch water. For instance, you're carrying jerry cans and they give you a very small one. You remember that kind of thing? And uh, th then you get to a point and you feel like, mm -mm, this small one does not work. I want to carry daddy's big one or uncle's big one and want to carry that big jerry can. And you're about five or six and, and you really cannot handle that you see that and you tell daddy let me help you you tell uncle let me help you and you want to carry that jerry can uh, how, how does that work out you see oftentimes they permit you to do it and they will smile and they could even carry your small jerry can and pretend that they are carrying a weight that is much more heavier than what you are attempting to carry uh, bottom line is you cannot ideally uh, handle that through and through praise the lord and uh, friends, that is how it, it, it works out. Uh, many times, like that young boy um, or that childhood story, many times uh, in our walk as believers, we tend to want to help God. We tend to want to help God. So um, we want to talk about a topic and uh, that, that is entitled, Avoid Helping God. You can simply put it, God doesn't need our help. Hallelujah. Avoid helping God. Every time you try to help God, uh, you know, it's not logical at all. It, it doesn't work out. It holds us on the periphery of what is rightly meant to be a wonderful relationship between us and God. Um, our passage of focus is Genesis chapter 16. And today I'm going to be introducing that Genesis chapter 16. Um, just a few verses, a couple of verses, and we shall be done. It says now Sarai, note that name, Abraham's wife, yes, another note there, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abraham, 
the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abraham agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abraham had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave, Hagal, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. When she knew that she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. We shall pick it from there tomorrow. Let me just lay the ground. Our theme, the whole of this week, is entitled Avoid Helping God. Avoid Helping God. And today we want and to, to say laying the foundation. Laying the foundation is our sub-theme of focus. Now, friends, um, if we are going to look at avoiding helping God, we need to lay the foundation and get to understand how does it come about and um, what is it that we are helping God about. Laying the foundation or understanding the promise. Laying the foundation or understanding the promise. Now, Genesis 16 is set um, on the backdrop of um, a, a long story of Abraham that starts around um, Genesis chapter 12, friend. And I know that you shall recall that. In Genesis chapter 12, God reaches out to Abraham when he was still living with his household in all of the Chaldees. And he tells him, leave your father's household and your people and go to the land that I shall show you. And the Bible teaches in Genesis 15, 6, that Abraham believed God and he credited in, uh, unto him as righteousness. So Abraham moved out. <laughs> A man that was 75 years, just imagine you find him <laughs> walking along the way and you ask him, Abraham, where are you going? And he says, I don't know, but all the same, I'm going. And you have your wife and <laughs> your better half and, you know, probably your wife asks you and she's like, honey, where are we headed to? And then you're like, um, honey, I, I really don't know, but God said we should go. A God that he had never known because um, it's paramount to understand that when you go to Joshua chapter 24 and verse 2, it's paramount to note that uh, Abraham and his a father, Terah, and his forefathers actually had their own gods. So it's phenomenal that Abraham is submitting to a God that he had known nothing about. And that is why amidst all his failures, just like one that we are going to be seeing very soon in this very chapter, is, is quite um, amazing that Abraham was able to submit to God. There were no scriptures. I want you to note that he had neither the Old Testament or New. He actually was the project of the scripture under making. You see that he had nothing to refer to. Uh, probably in his day, he did not have a person that he would have to refer to as a person that really knew God. Later, we get to um, speak of Belichizadek, but later on, that is a man that he meets later on in, a, in, in chapter 14. But when his story uh, started out, he did not know of any worshippers of the true living El Elyon or most high God. You see that? So that was really a step of faith. Now, when he got into the promised land, uh, we realize that in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 10, what happens? Um, famine sets in. Eh? Famine sets in. You speak of being set up by your very best friend. 
God calls him to a land of promise, but when he gets there, after some time, famine is setting in. And what happened to Abraham? What did he choose to do? He chose to go to Egypt because at least there was plenty of food down there. And when he went down there, you get to realize that it was quite against the will of God. Why? Because God told him, go to the land of promise, go to Canaan. I'm going to take care of you. You see, he never told him to go to Egypt. So you get to realize that the journey of faith is quite hard. It is quite hard in one way or the other. And um, some of the challenges that we see in this very chapter, Genesis chapter 16, are actually rooted in this very <laughs> a trip that Abraham made to the land of Egypt. We are going to be seeing that. In chapter 14, there was, you know, um, in chapter 13, there was a separation between him and his nephew, Lord, uh, with whom he had come from um, all and come to Canaan. And Lord ends up uh, choosing uh, the much more fertile Christian. The Bible calls it, um, you know, a rich, rich place in, in fertility that nearly looked like the garden of God, referring to Eden. And he ended up settling in that place. Now, um, it, 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 it later comes out um, to, to, to portray the fact that not everything that glitters is gold because he actually settled in Sodom and, and, and you know what transpired in there. Thereafter, um, it took the intervention of Abraham to have him saved twice, once uh, from a battle that um, was brought to the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah and their, you know, partner states in that coalition by a king called Chedorlaomer. But uh, later on also, um, when the Lord came and he destroyed that city, Abraham had a day before uh, pleaded with the Lord himself, the pre-incarnate Jesus, uh, in the person of the angel of the Lord. Now, in chapter 15, God reaffirms his promise to Abraham because he knew that he had concerns and fears and losses that he was pondering upon, especially because of what had transpired after that war that had ensued between Abraham and the coalition of the four kings led by Chedorlaomer. Uh, you see, praise the Lord. Now, when we come to chapter 16, Abraham had been in the land of promise for about 10 years, 10 solid years, friends. When he left, um, when he left his homeland, Abraham was 75 years, and now he is 85. And for God's sake, he did not have a son yet. He didn't. Was God a liar? Not quite, not at all. Was he going to do it? Probably we are speaking in the eyes of <laughs> and meditation of Abraham right now. All of us know that he was going to do it, but it wasn't easy for Abraham. Going by that background, a man that had believed on God for the sake of faith, he did not have any predecessors of faith. You understand that? He had had his own gods, just like we have, uh, you know, laid the ground. Uh, you see that, my dear? And, and, and here he is. And friends, there are quite an, a number of stuff here that come out. We are only laying the ground. The ground is that God had made a promise. In our journey of faith, when you come into a relationship with God, you're going to enjoy it, and God quite um, oftentimes or all the time will give you a direction for your life. Each one of us has a purpose for which we are created, and as a result of that, 
oftentimes God makes promises. He makes promises by which our lives will be directed and guided at the same time. Now, there are what we call general promises and there are specific promises for our lives. Now, that specific promise for Abraham was the fact that um, he was called by God and God wanted to use him to establish a nation that, or a prophetic nation, so to say, that God was going to employ uh, so as to engineer the salvation project. This was something that he had promised in Genesis 3.15 um, as, as a project that was going to bring forth uh, so as to um, save the entire world. You see that, my friend? Um, definitely. Now, God in his long focus uh, saw Jesus getting born, but through a faith community that started with Abraham. And that is why later in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 16, he refers to uh, the promise that was made to Abraham and his seed, that seed being who? Jesus Christ. So that is the thing that, that is the project that God is setting up right now. But now let us look at the details here. The Bible says in Genesis 16, 1, now Sarai, Abraham's wife, wait a minute, there are lots of things to look at there, had born him no children, just hold it there. Um, Ten years into the land, they've been moving by faith, waiting on God, but I want you to, before you castigate these people and crucify them, I want us to look at the details here. Now, God specifically, through Moses here, speaks of Sarai, a name that actually means what? My princess, the princess of Abraham. Yeah? But Abram, his name right now means exalted father. And he's sitting in this land and he's moving uh, here and there, living in tents. Hebrews puts it that was looking for a city that are, who, whose foundation was set in heaven. And you're moving around and you're telling people, God has commissioned me. And your name means, Abraham means exalted father. And they ask you, what is your name? And you're like, exalted father. And then they tell you, but I, I mean, where are your children? And you're like, I don't have any. <laughs> what a mockery. You understand that? How hard this must have been for Abraham and his wife, Sarai. You see that? And he had borne him no children. Now, I want you to look at these two things, especially in uh, the setting of uh, those past days. One, uh, to have no children in those days of Abraham, you were considered a curse, especially in the regard of the woman. Then secondly, there was a custom or a practice in those days where a woman was actually permitted, not by God, but by culture. You know, there are lots of things that we do that actually end up influencing even believers, but they come from the world. Talk of what uh, Jesus speaks of, and he says, you are in the world, but you're not over. Thank you very much, the world. You see that, my friend? But in those days, it was permissible in that culture for a, a, a slave to surrogate a child for her mistress. What they did was, like you read in Exodus, they delivered on stools, not like we do it in hospital these days. So when the time for delivery came, what they actually did was that your mistress, uh, for whom you were surrogating a child, uh, what do we mean here? Your mistress like, would be uh, permitted to sleep with your husband 
uh, you know, because you the wife was more considered to be, uh, it, it bore and beat more uh, down more on them, uh, more than the men. And uh, what they actually did, they would permit their mistresses to sleep with their husbands and go right ahead and beget children for them. Now, when the point of delivery came, they would sit on the stool and then the miss, um, their slave would sit on their laps and kind of deliver on their laps and pass on the right of ownership of this child unto uh, their mistress. You understand that? Now, it was still out of this tendency of wanting to help God, but this woman called Hagar, and the Bible says she was an Egyptian. It was on that trip that um, um, Abraham was given this um, slave and cattle and lots of other things. Uh, you remember what transpired in, uh, in Egypt when uh, God inflicted a serious you know, diseases upon those people, the Pharaoh, excuse me, upon the Pharaoh. And um, he ended up, you know, giving him lots of things, including slaves and cattle. And that is in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 16. He treated Abraham well for her sake, who? Uh, Sarai's sake. And Abraham acquired sheep, cattle, male and female, donkeys, male and female servants. You hear that? So most likely that is where Hagar came from, and she's from Egypt. So you see, those shortcuts. Um, he, he went on a trip that God never permitted. And later we see in Genesis 26, uh, verse 3, God barring Isaac from going to Egypt or stopping him from going to Egypt, probably for the same reason. You know, there was a famine that came, and the Bible says they are not the first, referring to the one that we are addressing right now, but this was another. And God told Isaac, do not go down to Egypt, stay right here in Gera, and I will take care of you. You see, that is where the problem came from. Now, one day, I see Sarah, mother's union, talking to the husband and say, sweetheart, you know what, my sweet Kaziri, I, I, but God said you're going to get a son. Did he really say that it's going to be through me? And Abraham is like, no. Probably he said, he, he, no, he said it's going to be through me and says, perfect. You see this a beautiful hugger here? She's eating our food and <laughs> moving around. She doesn't look bad after all. Why don't you go in and have, you know, fellowship with her, you understand? And then we shall beget a child. And look, it is perfectly in tandem with the culture where they were of the days. Friends, many times as believers, we are prompted to help God and we are prompted to have shortcuts basing on one, our long wait. When God makes promises and they seem to take long by our clock, you know, it becomes hard. Remember Proverbs 13, 12, and what it says, it says that a hope deferred eh, makes the soul sick. But when the promise comes to pass, it is a tree of life. You see that? So by now, Sarah's heart especially was sick. They, they had waited 10 years down the road and something, nothing seemed to happen. This is where the problem is. Friends, has God made a promise? It is, it is best for us to cling unto the Lord rather than wanting to help him. Um, I was doing some research 
And all along, I thought that this was a Luganda proverb that says, Katonda yamba be yamba, that God helps those who help themselves. But I got to discover that uh, this was um, initially um, a, 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 a quote or a proverb that is to be traced to a, a British legislator that lived long ago, around 1623, a man called Aleglon Sidin. He's the one that initially um, wrote or said this, but um, in our days, it is basically, uh, you know, attributed to a man called uh, Benjamin Franklin. I think he was also from Britain. So it, it is not in the Bible, like many of us get to think, and it is not local from here. Um, but uh, some writers say it actually has gotten its origin uh, from Greek mythology. In other words, it comes from these Greek gods. And they were saying when they say God helps those who help themselves, they actually speak you know, of the gods of the Greeks. That's where the problem is. I want to wind up at this point today and we shall pick it up from there tomorrow. Friends, uh, oftentimes we are laying the ground here, the promise. Oftentimes when God makes a promise, friend, he is not a liar. Like Numbers 23, uh, 19 uh, says, God has made a promise and he shall bring it to pass. He's not a liar. If God has made a promise, my friend, focus on him. Let us focus on him. Let us lift up our eyes like David says unto him because that is where our help comes from. But sometimes the pressure is too much around you and the world offers you solutions. They're like, you're not married yet and you're getting old. No, you can get a child. It is okay. It is acceptable. Your fibros are not getting healed. You, you run a risk of getting, you know, a, 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 a cancer of the uterus, and yet it's possible for you to have someone wherever they may come from and uh, they have sex with you and you have a child, and that is going to save you. People are saying all those sorts of things, and people easily tell you, it is okay, get that child, we shall repent. <laughs> it is okay, you know. I know friends that are standing and undergoing this kind of pressure. And when you're talking to them, you get to see that they are actually trusting God and counting on him. Find men and women that really fear God. You know, I know it's not easy, but when, when you speak to them and sometimes you want to encourage them, you get to realize that they are standing and you're like, God, thank you so much. And we keep praying on the side. Friends, this is what it means to walk by faith. Things may appear so hard and complicated, but when the time comes, God is going to bring this sort of thing to pass. Christ went through exactly the same thing. If you go to Matthew chapter 4, you're going to realize that after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, that is when the devil sets in. He quotes the promises of God to his son. He quotes what he knows is true about the son of God. And what does he say? He says, if you're the son of God, command these stones so they can turn into bread or food. Question is, could Jesus do that perfectly well? Did he have to do it at the command of the devil? No. You see that? And he brought challenge after challenge. These three challenges that often the devil uses, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, like we see it in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 uh, to 17. You see that, my friend? Actually, it is in verse 16 specifically. 
uh, but I wanted to give you the entire context. May the Lord help us and uphold us um, through the challenges that we are facing in our walk of faith, avoid shortcuts, my friend. And it is not easy, but like Paul says in uh, 1 Corinthians 10, all this stuff was written for our own instruction that we may learn and draw lessons from those uh, that are long gone to live with the Lord. What is it that you're facing right now in your journey of faith? What are you struggling with? Is it, is it waiting on God for a job that is becoming very complicated and that man is waiting to give you a bad interview so he can give you a job? And friends are encouraging you and they are saying, you know what, this, this, it's, not that, it's not that bad after all, but you're going to do it this once. And friends, you know what, there are people that have gone through this and they finally get the jobs and they quit on them because of the, you know, the bulk of the guilt that is basically emaciating them in their inner man. They can basically not stand the sight of that gruesome man who sometimes, uh, you know, makes them a sex slave because all the time they want to make you one that is going to, you know, um, sustain that job by doing exactly what you did by getting it. And just get this, it is a matter of principle. The devil will not give you the whole picture because oftentimes he doesn't even know all, the whole of it. Uh, you see, and this man keeps coming and you don't have your peace in there. A story is told of a woman that moved out in adultery and uh, her husband's best friend got to know about it and uh, for him to keep uh, the, the secret under key and lock, he also kept enlisting and soliciting sex from the same woman all the time, lest he he, 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 he tells the husband and he kept threatening her all the time. You, you see that kind of thing? That is what the devil does. May the Lord uphold you. May he make you strong like Jesus stood against his uh, plots and tricks and was able to overcome. Father, may you strengthen us and help us to stand by you. When the trouble comes, may we focus our eyes on you, you from whom our help comes. We pray that you surely be there and you shall uphold us. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we bless you because of who you are. Uphold me, uphold my brothers and sisters that are going through hard times right now. And they feel like quitting and they feel like taking those shortcuts and they feel like helping God. We pray that we shall remember that you are the one who can help us and you don't need our help. We bless you, Savior. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. God bless you.